You're listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. Hi, I'm Hamish and this is Off to Market and today's guest is Alan Morris. Alan at the moment is working as a CEO for Alvi Fishing Reels, but he's got an incredibly varied background. So I'll let Alan explain where he's come from and what what it is you do exactly. Thanks, Hamish. That's all right. There is lots of things. What have I done? been in Australia since 2006 and worked for a number of wide varied companies either as CFO, CEO, um, I've contracted to people and advised them on branding, uh, exporting, mergers and acquisitions, culture, uh, recruitment. So pretty much I do all sorts of weird and wonderful things for a lot of people. Jack of all trades? Uh, yeah, jack of all trades. Some things that some people, you know, um, it's hard for some, some businesses to to basically do some of the things that I can do, like, you know, lack of experience, sometimes lack of knowledge, and coming in and helping people do those things is, you know, is, is pretty, it's a pretty rewarding, you know, and pretty exciting um, thing to do. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today, because uh, obviously the purpose of this podcast is to help people that have got new inventions or new ideas, uh, they want to commercialise products, so you're very well placed to give advice in that sense. So that's why I wanted to, to specifically talk to you about what you've seen over the years, mm. being in the trenches, what works and what doesn't work. So what uh, can you share some stories with us about what you've seen? I mean, obviously, some of the companies we, uh, our, our target audience for this podcast is what you call startup. Yeah. But they're yeah. obviously people that have maybe got a, a product which has the potential to go global. There are mm. some clients that we have dealt with which uh, you know these turn into massive, mm. massively profitable products. So they're not sure. all sort of backyard uh, operations. Mm. So, please share some stories. Um, what have you seen over the years so that works? In, la- in the last couple of years, I've, I've had the, the privilege to work with some so a lot of, of startups and new businesses in basically in you know, in the digital space and in the conventional space. So, currently working with um, some app developers who have a, an app, an app, basically an app in in to basically you know basically a social media app. One of a better word. I've worked with. Male cosmetic companies, female cosmetic companies, female beauty salon businesses, female safety wear businesses, electric skateboards, normal skateboards, clothing, fishing. Wow, I'm trying to think. Uh, Digital marketing agency. That's fun. That was real fun. Um, What else? else? Basically standard retailers uh, in consumer goods. And I think a lot of the things is that is a lot of businesses lose, lose sight of what they're trying to achieve Mm. and that's not a money issue or a product issue that's just you know a lot of people go into business because they're trying to achieve something or trying to grow something and I think sometimes as a business gets more and more successful the the money takes over and you know where a lot of where I see a lot of businesses lose it is that emotional attachment to why they're actually trying to do something and the reason why they're going through all the crap pardon the expression but all the crappy days you know all the challenges, uh, getting funding, getting product past first stage. Um, you know, a lot of times it's not money; it's that desire to achieve to to create something that nobody has done before. And a lot of businesses do. You know, a lot, especially a lot of business owners, they lose that sight. Um, and that's probably the most important business driver. I've had the the privilege to work with a lot of exceptionally talented people. And the one of the first questions I I, I do normally ask them is. Why? Why are you doing this? Because if you're doing it for the money, that's okay. But be honest with yourself and saying this is a three and five year deal to basically make as much cash as I possibly can. Mm. 
but if you're doing it for some other reason, then then be cognizant of it, because you know starting a new business or a new product, a new brand is it's bloody hard work. Yeah, no, we we're just talking about that before. You and I were just having a chat about you know how egos sometimes get in the way, mm. and obviously we've seen that a bit with some of the clients we have dealt mm. with, not in a, a bad way, but yeah, you get the, like you were saying before, you know, you, you you do lose sight. So, what's your advice in that sense? Like, how can someone when they start small and they start to see things grow? What are some strategies you you would might you might suggest to put into place? To I mean, you know, obviously you can have business plans that are one to three to five years, but yeah. But obviously those sort of things can get put in the drawer. What are some of the tactics that you've I think seen at work? It's, it's constantly reminding yourself, um, and it sounds really trite and really cliche, but constantly remind yourself on a day-to-day basis why you're doing it. Mm. Um, because you know there are, there are a lot of brands that sometimes people get obsessed with, um, and, sorry, and to take it into context, I, I, worked, I worked with a brand before where there was this, this desire to basically make, um, you know, to grow the brand but to keep it very niche and very very focused and very kind of boutique, well, that's a really hard thing to do. It's like asking, and you, you know, we, we had a joke about it before, say, asking to have a bespoke mass-produced iPhone. Yes. <laughs> um, it's doable, but there is a price for doing it, and sometimes, you know, you need, there are things that you need to compromise, and, and where, let me, let me paraphrase, I'm not explaining myself properly, is... There are there are times where business owners need to accept that if a business is going exceptionally well, it is time for them to to basically step back and let people who are uh, either more experienced or more qualified or or emotionally better suited to dealing with some of the issues that pop up, or you know accept the fact that you know when a, a business when it hits a certain certain size, keep it at that. There's nothing wrong with having a small business that makes really well and having a small yeah it makes good money is quite good for, yeah, quite emotionally satisfying but it's only based two three four people in mm. fact that's arguably that's that's a more you know that's a better lifestyle than a business that's turning over 50 100 million employing 100 people uh, and making a lot of money and then finding out that you're beholden to uh, the shareholder expectations private equity expectations stakeholder expectations staff expectations supplier expectations you know Government expectations in some cases, it's it's really, really hard. There is a business I work with, and hopefully she won't mind me mentioning it. <laughs> it's um, it's a female safety uh, safety wear business, uh, safety boots. Um, it's a business called She Wear, run by a very, very talented and capable um, lady called Stacey. And she's, what amazes me is, is she has such a drive and such a, what's the word? Such, it's just an expectation that she can make the business a success, despite all of the hurdles and the challenges that she has. You know the amount of, you know, disgraceful misogyny that is still in two thousand and nineteen business is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But she continually, you know, fights against it and succeeds. And she has she has bloody good product. Mm-hmm. You know, in a in an area that is massively underrepresented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my hat. Yeah, my hat goes. Yeah, I take my hat off to her every time I talk to her because I think she does a cracking job mm. in a in a very male dominated, arguably misogynist industry. Mm. Mm. 
So what we, because that's the other thing we we often the, the clients that the people we speak to you know growth obviously in the first in the initial stages of product development growth mm. is everything to yeah. them because it's growth in customer base growth mm. in growth in the numbers so growth mm. in in revenue mm. uh, growth in market share growth mm. in where they're located mm. but that can obviously be a an enormous problem so how do you specifically manage growth? In terms of building a business, because obviously, like you said before, I mean, we mm. we've seen that. You know, if you increase, like some people have said, you know, oh, I want to get to ten staff, mm. and you've got to ask the question, why ten staff? Oh, mm. because you know that will mean that we're doing this these numbers. Well, mm. but then you've got ten people you've got to uh, you're accountable for, yeah, as as well as yourself. Mm. Uh, so what 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 have you seen? What how have you dealt with that over the years, where you've gone into a business and maybe not downsized? That's not the right word, but. Uh, do you see instances where a business can be better if it gets smaller? Is that is that a philosophy that, that you've seen? Uh, very much so. Uh, very much so. I think sometimes businesses overly complicate things. You, know, you, you look at some businesses, I've worked with some businesses that are just one product, and there is this fear that, oh, we've only got one product, so what happens if the market falls out and we can't sell this product anymore? And they look to do basic product extensions, whether it be different sizes of the same product or going into, you know, the obvious one is, is people tend to go into into apparel, into clothing, because they think it's easy, and apparel companies go into hard goods because they think it's easy, you know, um, and, you know, and yeah, a lot of businesses go into other because they, they take this attitude about how hard can it be? It's hard. It's really, really hard, and some products don't translate across category, and it's okay to just have one product and be really, really good at it, mm. and be, but on the flip side is to be constantly, um, use, use the word, it's constantly innovating and saying, well, what has what does the consumer want next? You know, a really good example, um, and against a cliche example, is is my my opinion of iPhone is it's a good you know Apple have done a great job with the iPhone. It's a great piece of marketing, and there's lots and lots of product enhancement that come out every year. But I think you know ninety percent of us use a phone or our phone for a similar kind of thing. You know, it, we take and receive calls. We take and receive messages or emails. We check social media. We use the camera. After that, I think it, you know, looking ourselves in the mirror, I think a lot of people wouldn't use ninety percent of the other functionality of the apps that are on an iPhone. But we all have one, and we all basically clamour for the new iPhone, whatever X One XB Two Point purely because Apple have told us that it's a yeah, it's a new, it's got new added functionality yes and that which is an interesting concept that we should step into next mm. is is brand we were just talking about mm. brand before mm. and how some companies will say one thing and do another or say one thing and, mm. act, and do nothing mm. you know what, what have you seen in terms of branding what, what do you see as the me- I mean this is what I talk to clients about is the mechanics of brand which mm. is how do you live it mm. what have you seen what are some examples where brand does work and where it doesn't work I think a lot of a lot of brands are I find I find the the and again apologies for using the being genuine and be and being real authentic, um, authentic which everyone <laughs> says is you know everyone's authentic and genuine and real. It's, it, I just know, want someone fake now. Yeah, yeah sometimes <laughs> fake. You know, being honest and saying I look we're fake is sometimes. <laughs> not, but you know, and when you look at um, and you know, especially e-commerce and social media, there is this there is this perception to have these glorified polished slick um, whether it be flat images or whether it be video or whatever or this this proposition whereas sometimes the more genuine the content 
the more you know less um, polished the content, the better. One brand I was involved with, you know, the guys who ran uh, in Mel Cosmetics, the guys who ran the marketing department, the branding department, they did an exceptionally great job of keeping the content, um, the polished unpolished, I used to call it. It's you know, it, it was it was genuine. It was really well professionally done shot but it didn't look like it was of production quality if that makes sense yes they, they were you know it looked genuine and those guys um you know i take my hat off and you know some of the most you know in that business in particular some of the most talented people i worked with um you know made that business a success mm. and i think yeah and they should they should take a lot of credibility for that um other things i've seen is where it just brands just lose their way and pretend to be yeah, especially businesses that start in, in that well, what I want to call um, youth area and and you know I've worked with a, with a number of businesses that have used shock and awe uh, as as a marketing tool you know whether it be you know, profanity whether it be overly sexualized image drug use you know crazy stuff you know all these kind of things and, and shock and awe is is great you know there are, there is there are, there are some well known examples of people who do who've used shock and awe as a marketing concept and done an exceptionally, exceptionally good job. Um, but where do you go? Well, that's, got, that's obviously got a time limitation, though. Yeah, and that's the problem with some brands. Some brands think you can carry on shocking and awing. Awing, I suppose, is one question, <laughs> but, you know, shocking. And there comes a point where, you know, somebody, how many times does somebody have to juggle a chainsaw before it becomes normal? I mean, how, when you, yeah, at what point does the, does the shock value become the normal for the brand and I think when you're building your brand on that is to constantly evolve and say to become more shocking is is really difficult and some businesses think they can continue to do it other businesses lose lose their track and you see it where businesses are and it's funny in one particular business where as the as the owners and the founders got older you could tell the business lost some of its spark and creativity because you know at one point they were they were young and you know and a little bit carefree and on the edge and then as business as as life went on and they became in more stable relationships and possibly got married and had children and settled down it started coming through in the creativity and the product proposition and the way the the business the, the business conducted itself externally and it lost its edge you know, and is that because just to which would be mm-hmm. interesting for our listeners do you see that happening? That's obviously a situation where you don't necessarily have a, a board of directors. Perhaps you've got you just yeah. have got a company that's run by mm. two. So you've got two personalities. Two personalities, that, yeah. And then that the, the personality of those mm. people yeah. transfers across yeah. the business. Yeah. So what would you be? What would your advice be for uh, if they've got a? Because that's the thing. I mean, you, you've got companies that have great products. Yeah. That if they're led by one or two personalities, yeah. Yeah. how do you manage that? Where's the balance? What would you? What would you be your advice to a? an entrepreneur that has to look at this maybe for the next 20 years if that's their goal their it's really it's really bloody hard I've, I've seen businesses that have bought in uh, executive boards and external advisors yeah and have loaded themselves up with too much grey hair too much process you know whereas being you know very um, agile and dynamic and when I say agile and dynamic quick to change knowing the fact that they've screwed something up and gone you know what I've screwed this up I'm going to change it Whereas if you've got board of directors and reports and structures and all that governance stuff is really important. But you know, for businesses that are growing, sometimes you want to push that governance off for as long as you possibly can. 
on the flip side is when you you know sometimes knowing when to pardon the expression sell out and cash your chips in yep um, on a business that's growing really well is in, is key important. I've seen some businesses that have gone through really significant growth at the front end, and they have an impression that you know the growth won't stop. Well, it does, and you know, and especially in in, in fashion um, or in stuff that's 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 very taste based. You know, fashion mm-hmm. fashion drops off. I mean, yeah, you know, I've wor- I've worked in in male cosmetics and. You know, the male's cosmetics arena has had the benefit of this upsurge in, in, in barbershops in the last 10 years. It's been fantastic. It's more barbershops than coffee shops. I mean, yeah, it's just fan- yeah, it's, it's wonderful for the industry. Will it continue? Possibly, possibly not. Yeah, but you can't, you know, do we go back to those horrible days of the early 90s, which I'm old enough to remember, where the you know, unkempt, scruffy dreadlock look was, was vogue? Rather than the clean cut polished look, which has been relatively vogue for the last couple of years, mm, mm. yeah, this that's that's a hard one to call. Mm. And you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be arrogant enough to say I'm gonna I, I would call it one way or another. But sometimes when you're hot, that's the time to basically go. You know what? I'll go. I'll do something else, or just be confident that you say, well, no, I'm going to stick to doing X, Y, and Z, and and that's what we do. There be some there's some classic there's some cracking businesses in in Australia in particular. That have just done the same thing for the last hundred and whatever years. Mm. I mean, look at look at things like yeah, Vegemite, which is the obvious one. Look at Lucas Pawpaw. I mean, it's just a red tub of fermented pawpaw. Mm. But I think it's a global brand, really now. But every probably every bathroom in Australia has had one in it at some point. If it doesn't have one now, yeah, everyone's seen that little red tube or that little uh, red or whatever is yeah, 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 red and black, red and black tube, and it's just. That's a one-product company. Mm. It's and they've done a fantastic job. Mm. So you say that's so. Focus is really what you'd say focus, is your yeah. advice for many yeah. companies is to just focus, don't yeah. diversify, and don't kid yourselves. Yeah, that it, it's yeah. That you can put your logo on anything and it will sell. I mean, there are some there are some very very well-known surf brands down in down in the Gold Coast that have failed because well, not failed. They're just not the businesses they were because they thought they could just propagate their branding and how hard can it be mm. well mm. yeah yeah. there's a lot of people in Burley Heads who are ex-surf company right yeah <laughs> that's that's the way it is and yeah and yeah, yeah they've done some really well I mean the, the other one is the what, what what amazes me all the time is that as I said at the start I've, I've had the benefit to work for some guys in the digital space whether it be digital marketing or whether it be app developers supremely huge hugely massive amount of ability and, and credibility and, and I and I think the the thing for um, especially here, I, I find it especially with it, it at certain at mid layer management or executive management is sometimes we don't we shouldn't pretend that we know what we're talking about you know I had a conversation with somebody at, at, at a digital marketing agency where there was a you know is you sit in a meeting with them talking about you know, how, how to market a business digitally and everyone's nodding their head because all of these anagrams and these kind of you know, three-letter words are being chucked around and everyone pretends to know what they mean and they all come out of the meeting and they go, I have no idea what that meant but it looks really cool. And, you know, and sometimes people just pretend to know. So I, uh, you know, I, maybe I'm, I'm different but I read it a little bit. I haven't got... You know, I don't know ninety five percent of the things that go on in those kind of spaces. 
but I ask people who do, and I trust people's opinion. I think that, that again, especially digital is moving so fast, is that people pretend to know what's driving, you know, how to drive digital business. And it's, you know, I think sometimes you know, there's a lot of the BS that goes along on that, in that area. Yeah, no, and that, that's the other problem too, which I would like to impress upon, you know, our, our listeners, you know, people that have got products in development is, mm. you know, what's your advice in terms of taking advice? I mean, I think that's, when it comes to things like managing your own ego, mm. I mean, if, it could be very dangerous if you sit there and say, oh yeah, I'll just pretend to know because I don't want to look like a fool. Yeah. Because you, a lot of the people that develop products come out of, they don't come out of small business, they don't come out of big business, they come mm. out of an industry. They might yeah. be a plumber or they might yeah. be a, a school teacher mm. or they could just be someone that's worked in government. Mm. They've just got a fantastic idea. Mm. And all of a sudden they're thrust in this into this world yeah. where they're just expected to know yeah. every acronym yeah. and every buzzword. Yeah. And so really it's just an admission that... Yeah. Don't, don't, <laughs> it's okay to be dumb yes. in these areas. And in fact, the more dumb you are, the better. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes getting people to explain it to you like you're a three-year-old actually cuts through a lot of the garbage. And the other thing about, especially in, in the whole branding and marketing is, and I know Hamish, you, you agree with this as well, is that yeah, all that branding and marketing is all well and good, but if it's not converting to revenue or not converting to mm. the, what you want to achieve, and that's important, and I'll come back to that in a minute, is then it's just noise. And you know, people do a lot of marketing and branding and basically saying, oh, yeah, we've got so much engagement and we've got so many likes and we've done, you know, and yeah, we we our, our our net promoter score is X, Y, and Z, and that's all fantastic. But how many how many units did you sell? Mm. Or if if your objective is to drive, you know, to have your product placed somewhere, then don't kid yourself and just say, well, my objective is to basically have, have my product at state of origin, apologies for all the people who don't say origin is, you know, state of origin or, or the Rugby World Cup or the, you know, or the, or the World Cup final. Yeah, I want it in, in an advert, you know, in the, at half time. Well, if that's your objective, go with it. But if your objective is to sell more units, then that's what you want it to do. And, there's a lot of businesses that will, you know, tell you you need to market in a certain way or, or change this or change that, and you know, that's great. But if it doesn't increase your volume or increase your sales or your profits, why are you doing it? Mm. Um, I think also as well, just just to caveat that is, some people think all marketing has to have an ROI. Well, you know, and apologies to the insult that goes out now is that a lot of marketing is just throwing throwing excrement at a wall and hoping it sticks yeah and you, but you need to do that sometimes social yeah being on you know, we talk about social media as a thing sometimes you need to be in social media just to make your brand look relevant mm. and basically because if you're not doing social media in this day and age um, this particular bugbear of mine is that people think you don't have a brand well that's not true but that's just public perception people you, you have to do things to it's like mowing your lawn and painting your fence and you know, and making your house look look tidy it's just to make sure it's to keep your your brand value at a at a level, but sometimes that kind of so that activity doesn't increase your brand value or your brand proposition or the ability to sell, but still keeps you in the game. There's a there's a cost to play, yeah. and a lot of social media is a cost to play. You have to interact, so you won't get ROI on it, but you'll still be in the game. Well, and that, that's that's the critical thing is it's not ROI, it's ROA, which is return on activity mm. rather than return on mm. investment, which yep. is say you put $20 into an ad, mm. you expect to make, so let's just say $40 back from that. Yeah. 
but like you're saying, I agree. Mm. You know, you've just got to be in it to win it almost, mm. just to get a presence. Because if you look at a lot of big brands and how they've succeeded, they trade on history. Yeah. You can't buy history. You can't mm. really put a figure on how do you mm. build up history. You've just got to decide to do something and do it for a long mm. time. We'll do it yeah. for a, at least a period of time. And do it well. And do it well mm. and be consistent. So. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And consistently do it well. So, Which is also another sorry interesting point we yeah. were talking about that with a, a business that we won't mention, but yeah. you were saying you, you said they had a, a new logo designed and a, and a mission statement or something, yeah. a, mission, a mission, what was it, a value proposition? Value proposition, yeah. And you told me what that was and I sort of thought about the business, mm. I only know them yeah. uh, from, mm. uh, I, I, I know who they are, yeah. let's put it that way. When you told me what it, what, what it was, mm. I thought how I don't see that. Mm. And that happens a lot, that happens a lot. With I don't see how that translates into how yeah. they operate. <laughs> is is sometimes getting getting somebody to tell you what your value proposition is. If you can't tell people what they're um, and I I personally um, I have a problem with vision 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 and mission statements because sometimes they can be you know there's lots of business language and you know lots of um, terminology and jargon where ultimately you know, you're there to do you know, it, it can be simplified and distilled down to a simple concept you know and and you know a business that does it exceptionally well is is as Hamish mentioned at the start of is a business I'm working with at the moment called Alvi Reels and Alvi's just a better way to fish now you might disagree with that but this brand proposition of, of that statement and the way, you know and the, and the product all lives up to basically making it a better way to fish doesn't mean you're going to catch more fish doesn't mean you know it doesn't mean you'll have a better time fishing but we think it's a better way to fish because of the way the product is designed and how it works and and basically, how that product, yeah, you interact with that product. What a better word. Mm. Whereas some brands, um, you know, just I'm trying to think of um, somebody else that's got a really simple proposition. Um, yeah, um, I can't remember the, who the coffee business is that basically just says good coffee, Seven Eleven. Now, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, is it really? No, well, yeah, no, I mean, but you know, talk about yeah. You know, they just don't. You know, we do good coffee. Well, you don't. You do reasonable, reasonable, yeah, reasonably priced coffee. Satisfactory is a good word. But you, you remember, and I was talking about another business which I have nothing to do with actually at the moment. But I, it always makes me laugh, and it always gives me a chuckle. Is Frank Walker at National Tiles, and you know, a very yeah, an interesting t- an interesting radio advert. Um, with with an interesting man with interesting delivery, um, that everybody, you know, I think that's right. I'm afraid, is that there is a there is an attitude that you know Frank has a very distinctive voice, but everybody remembers it, you know. And whether you yeah you know, whether you like Frank or you don't like Frank, you know. And there were some very strong opinions in the in the place I was before I came to see Hamish today um, about about Frank Walker. But we all know who Frank is, and we all you know he 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 is. Is immersed ourselves in our life, so whether we like it or not, <laughs> uh, you know, that's Frank. I mean, yeah, they, they, yeah that's you know, they, Frank Walker at National Tiles has done, you know, a reasonably good job. Yes, well, and that's again leading with personality. So that's a yeah. very he. What's obviously led from the top, mm. top down. Yes, yeah. it's all about Frank Walker. Yeah. yeah, and every time I would say that word, you would know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Jerry Jerry Harvey did another. Yeah, you know, has done a. Um, he's done another. Yeah. You know, Good job as well, and he's not as active as he was. But you know, everyone knows who Jerry Harvey is, and everyone yeah. knows Harvey Norman. Yeah. Harvey Norman. So, yeah, it's 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 that's where you know that that propositions come really well. But 
yeah, don't don't overcomplicate your either your 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 marketing message or your proposition or your internally as well. It's just be honest with why you're you know why you're doing it. Mm. You know, mm. um, you know, it's, it's as I said, there's been some I've worked with some really really good businesses, and you know, sometimes there's there's an, you know people have, you know I've you know many years ago I worked with a business that spent a day trying to work out its um its mission statement. So you got like you know six six seven executives off site, very expensive. It's always at a nice resort. It's always sunny. Of course, it's always got a free bar. Yeah, there's always there's always nice food and stuff. And you got you know six or seven executives plus a couple of external advisors arguing over the right terminology for the internal mission statement. What a complete waste of money! It is. It is. And sometimes yeah, the simpler the better. And if you have to, if you have to basically look at a dictionary to understand what the words are in a mission statement, fail. Massive fail. Keep it easy. And and be honest again, as we touched on at the start. If you're there to make money in the next three years, that's the objective, and that's okay. Mm. It's okay to be there and be cynical and say, "I'm here to make you know X thousand, hundred thousand, million dollars." Yep. But be honest about it. Mm. Don't kid yourselves that you're doing it for any other reason, any philanthropic reason or profit with a purpose. You're there to make you know as much money as you can in the shortest period of time. It focuses the mind, and it focuses your team mind because your team will know if you if you do have a team that you're there for one one reason and one reason only mm. and involve the team in that and be and be honest about what you're doing um, it's okay it's the, 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 that, those kind of missions and drives it's okay to be there for the money okay. don't don't lie about it no and just an interesting question too mm. you mentioned involving the team so mm. I think that with a lot of entrepreneurs you know they're very close to their product it's a, it's a, mm. it's a very emotional journey mm. because it's their idea it's their mm. process they've yeah. been through it all they, mm. they, they learn things very quickly mm. but you said to involve the team is yeah. that another uh, bit of advice you'd give to entrepreneurs is to don't don't sort of keep your cards too close to your chest. Like, yeah. do share information. Obviously, there's things like if it is sensitive intellectual property, mm. we're always about you know putting NDAs yeah. out there. But do that's it. obviously yeah. something that you would advocate for yeah. and say do that. I do. Share I do and think get so. Advice. There is there is there is the sensitivity about IP, but you've also yeah. I look at the IP and you say when, once you get to a once you get to a certain market penetration, there are there are people far more intelligent than than you. Um, that will always be able to reverse engineer your product. Mm. So you can have as much IP protection as you want, but there comes times where somebody will rip you off. And then, yeah, how good your IP protection and your patent and ultimately your legal team, who you know, will then basically show its show its true cards. But with the team, is the more honest you are and the more open you are about information, the better. And there is nothing wrong with being open and honest about. The performance of your business and what you're trying to achieve. Mm. In fact, the more honest you are, the better. Mm. Um, big mistake of mine. I used to be terrible for relinquishing information and basically and and involving not only the teams I work with but other people about what information was going because I always thought it used to be commercial and confidence. Well, it is. A lot of information is commercial and confidence. But if you can't trust, you trust your team. If you think about it this way, you trust the people that that, that work for you or work with you. You trust them to basically turn up on time. You trust them to put them 100% effort in. Some people you give signing authority to, so you allow them to spend, whether it's 5,000, 10,000, and bigger companies, 20,000, 100,000. Yeah, I've been in companies where signing limits have been quarter of a million, half a million. But then you won't tell them how much money you're making or 
you know what the performance of the business is or mm. where the market spread is or you know and some information is like well why wouldn't you tell people you know you t- you trust people you trust people to interact with your customers on a on a face to face on a face to face and be the point the point of service delivery for some some businesses are is somebody that is be lucky to get minimum wage and so you don't trust you trust them okay to have that customer engagement with you but you won't trust them to tell you how how much money that you made today or, that, or what the revenue was for that store on that day on that day it's, it's, yeah, it's a scary proposition really mm. um, I'm not saying you should be all you know like some pardon the, pardon the terrible analogy like some hippie commune where you're sharing information left right and everywhere but you know be open and honest about what you're trying to achieve um, because the people who work for you will probably have a lot better uh Ideas and a lot more kind of sense on basically how to achieve your product, how to achieve your game, your your goals than you will. Mm. Um, and if they don't, then yeah, you're all in the same boat, really. So, Alan, tell me, why do you do what you do in the way you do it? That's a <laughs> very funny way of asking that question. But you you seem to be across a lot of industries and work with a lot of different businesses. I suppose it's good for you. I mean, I, I do the same thing as, mm. as in, in my role. Work with you know lots and lots of different sorts of business but why do you do what you do that's a really good question and um <laughs> and it's probably a question my wife asked me on a regular basis or why do you why do you put yourself through a lot of the stress and a lot of the pressures i thoroughly enjoy it um there, there are I, I like i said i can honestly say hand on heart yeah of all the business and i mean all of the businesses i work for uh, i've worked for some really highly capable and intelligent people who I've learned so much from and when I when I carry on meeting people in all the businesses we talked about before you know whether they be you know some some really capable you know business leaders whether it be in 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 female beauty whether it be in in safety wear whether it be in in retail whether it be in um you know in all the businesses the the app guys the the digital marketing guys these guys are really you know, far more capable Intelligent and proficient than me, and and you know, and I, I don't. Every time I meet these guys and work with them, I, I learn so much, and I thoroughly enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. And the the thing that, but yeah, a bit of blatant self promotion is, if I look back in all the all the businesses that I've worked with, um, and you know, and I, as I said before, I've worked in um, in action sports. I've worked in in um, male cosmetics, females cosmetics. They're not an area of specialty that um, that I that I know and or I've had experience with. I mean, I'm an accountant by trade. You know, I did my 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 UK CPA equivalent back in and don't laugh 1988. Um, you know, I, I've been yeah my my training's been with a, with a with a CPA firm. So I don't know about half the businesses that that you know and I, and I, I don't even profess to and I don't. You know, and what I do is I don't profess to have a creative mind. I don't profess to be a marketer. I don't profess to be, you know, you know, ta- you know knowledgeable in any of these sectors. But I think I know how a good business works, and I like to think that I can come in and give unfiltered, pragmatic advice or guidance or recommendations, and help businesses grow. Because there's a lot of, and hopefully I'm not going to offend anybody you've agents with. There's a lot of bullshit that goes on in businesses and sometimes somebody coming in externally and looking at it going well that's just garbage and you're just kidding yourselves and you know and and cutting through a lot of the stuff and being direct and having those uncomfortable starting those uncomfortable conversations that sometimes people don't want to have or they can't have 
And it's not because they're bad people and it's not because they're incompetent. It's just that sometimes you just, you know, it's easier for me to come in or somebody like myself or even Hamish just come in and have those really uncomfortable, gut-wrenching, nervous, horrid conversations with people. Because as an, as an external, you can come in at, at 50,000 feet in helicopter and just go, you know, I can see something's on fire, but it's 50,000 you know, feet away or 50,000 meters away. But when you're in the trenches, businesses can't see that. So, you know, I have, it's funny, I, I go in and my wife says, why'd you go in and upset so many people? And um, I'm not laughing and it's, it's terrible. And it, it is gut-wrenching for me, but I think we're, where I value is I'm happy to go in and have those uncomfortable conversations uh, because I know ultimately it's for the better, it's for is to make the business or the or the people better. And sometimes you know, like I said, it's, you know, as a business owner, it's hard enough to basically do all the other crap you got to do with. Sometimes it's easier to say, you know, Alan, can you or somebody else or Hamish, can you have this uh, uncomfortable conversation or mm. can you bring up a can you bring up a subject matter that the organization's been dancing around for the last two years and it's easy because you can come in and push and push an agenda or push push a point where other people can't and that's not being deceptive and that's not being underhand it's just the way that businesses work you know and relationships work you know and you know i've gone into businesses where people have been working with them you know for 20 30 sometimes even 40 years people have been working with business owners for 40 years you can't have it, it's that's a lot that's longer than a lot of people's marriages mm. you know people have had that that you know, working and it's difficult for anybody to come in and change that mindset and you know and if you're in that in that relationship it's difficult to change somebody else comes in um, and it's easy to change I mean I yeah I I do my, I make no bones about about um, you know I I have a I have a mentor and I actually yeah I have a psychologist and it's not because I'm insane it's because you do need to have those conversations with people that are just that you can you can have a conversation that's straight and normal and kind of you know oh my god have I done the right thing here or, or why am I having such a problem with x y and z and you know a mentor is good and it doesn't have to be some kind of official personal growth mentor it's just somebody who who knows you but you know isn't part of your life yeah, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm very lucky to have that person in my life, and um, and the psychologist, same thing. Mm. Mm. No, it's good that you've mentioned that because I think, especially with entrepreneurs, everything just gets on top of them mm. uh, because there's a lot happening usually very mm. quickly. Oh, absolutely, and it, it pays to have those external <coughs> advisors, however that is delivered. Mm. Yeah, so. and whether it's just over a coffee or over a glass of wine, or it really doesn't matter. You do have to have that mm. kind of oh shit am I doing the right thing mm. now nine times out of ten you probably are yeah but it's good to have somebody else to tell you that mm. Mm. Alan that's fantastic if you want to get in contact with Alan if you've got any questions for him he's very happy to take questions so I'm going to put his LinkedIn profile address up on the uh, podcast website and I'll also include it in the text of the podcast so if you listen to this episode now go to the more info and there should be a link straight to his page. So, uh, Alan, thank you very much. That was very generous of you. No, thank you. You've been listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick.